0: Sunday Welcome to Epiphany's Sunday Sermons, a podcast ministry of Epiphany Anglican Fellowship in Ligonier, Pennsylvania. Our church exists to help people discover and rediscover the love of God in the Christian gospel. To learn more about our church, visit our website at epiphanyligonier.org. One of the things about the... I spent some time in in, uh, Nigeria and also in Zambia, but one of the things that I learned while I was uh, with our brothers and sisters there was that, you know, you have no business coming to the pulpit without the people that are hearing you knowing something of how you know God, something of how you know Jesus. And uh, so it's very common for preachers to share their testimony before they start preaching over there. Now, I'm not going to... uh, Belabor you with my entire story But a piece of it if you will To uh, just to share uh, The grace of God in, in my life And uh, It connects with with our gospel reading As well that uh, you know I was blessed to grow up in a, in a Christian Household of uh, parents who loved the Lord And uh, my mom Also had that blessing my dad had not had that Blessing so he was a new A new convert when my parents got Married and um it was interesting for us to kind of grow up together in a sense, right? Because we, we got to see the grace of God working out in each other's lives. Him as a young Christian, me both as a young human and a young Christian. And the thing that, that we both can't ha, have grown into the most is this awareness of our need for God as Father. And this was actually the moment of... Um, this was actually the moment of where the gospel really took hold in my life. Is realizing, uh, you know, I had a, a minister who was saying, announcing to everybody in the room, "Look, you. A lot of you have come to church. You know the Bible. You know all these things, but you don't know God as Father." And realizing that need, like, oh, I've not been adopted. I've not been taken. I've not been claimed. And and that moment, I remember it was actually not too far from here. It was actually at Camp Ligonier that this was happening. And I remember standing in, the, in this conference room, looking in, I was just under a skylight in that room somehow, and looking up and hearing, you know, just saying, God, I need you to be my father. And hearing in like this response from the heavens, You're mine. You're mine. and if i could summarize our readings today they come with that same message they come with that same promise that same assurance of god saying to his people you're mine that's the that's the promise in jeremiah that this this Disciplined, scattered Israel. God has not let go of them. He's saying, no, you're still mine. Even after all you've done, you're still mine. That's the promise of assurance in Ephesians 1 that we just heard. That, that even before the creation of the world, God was saying to his people, you're mine. You belong to me. And of course, Paul is able to bring that clarity that we have that assurance, we have that promise, because Jesus came. And that the Spirit bears witness to that in our own hearts. And so what about the gospel? Who is hearing, hearing that promise in, in the gospel of Luke? So there's a little bit of uh, biblical inside baseball going on in Luke. Luke, uh, like the, uh, unlike many of the writers, Luke is one, a Gentile. He, he's not. He's not from the, a church-going family, right? Everything that he knows about the Lord, everything he knows about the Scriptures, he learned as an adult, as a convert. He had to learn, learn it all, take it in, and to study with others and be taught about things. So when he starts explaining things here and he's in this uh, Gospel reading of Luke chapter 2 about the law of the Lord he, he's explaining things that he himself has had to learn. He didn't grow up with it. Right, it wasn't just it wasn't just familiarity but he's now explaining it to to Theophilus, to the lovers of God. Hopefully that's you and me this morning. And so after, after the birth of Jesus, after all these events of, of the Christmas day and um, the, the circumcision of the Lord, which was remembered uh, yesterday, was eight, eight days out, we get, we get this uh, time of purification. Now, after the birth of a firstborn child, a, a, um, a new mother would actually not really go out in public. She would not participate in worship in any way uh, until the 40th day. So this is about a month, uh, almost six weeks after Jesus was born. And they go up to Jerusalem, which is just seven miles from where they've been staying in Bethlehem, to do this purification. Because one of the conditions of the law that God had, this covenant God would have with Israel was that every firstborn, every firstborn belonged to him. Every firstborn was dedicated to God. Uniquely, and so they would have to go up and offer a sacrifice for to redeem the child, to in some sense be able to continue with the child and not leave them there at the temple, right? So there's a sense of ransom that's happening here, and as as uh, Mary and Joseph bring this child, who is God's child, not just in the sense that oh, he's the firstborn and belongs to God. But is actually the Son of God. He's actually God in the flesh. He actually does belong with his Father, right? But they do for him what's required by the law. Before Jesus is even able in his own human flesh to fulfill the law, the law is being fulfilled uh, by by his parents, by those who are going to raise him. It's a really incredible witness, right? And we learn something about their situation in that moment, because they don't come and offer the standard um, sheep offering for that. They don't bring the lamb to provide this ransom. They bring the uh, let's see here, the two turtle doves or two young pigeons. This was this was the, the poverty clause in the law. If you're going to make this if you're going to make this sacrifice, but you don't have the resources. It's okay, you can bring the two turtle doves, bring the two young pigeons instead. And so we have this kind of, you know, Luke's just grappling with, okay, there's a sacrifice, there's a purification, there's, we we don't really do all this in Greece, where I'm from, right? But we, we have, we have Someone that belongs to God, and someone is dedicated to God, and someone that needs to be ransomed for God's service. And so Mary and Joseph do this. They bring, they bring Jesus. They've come to do the sacrifice. and they're in the middle of this worship, right? They're in the middle of the, of the worship, offering the sacrifice. And this old guy comes up, and he takes the baby out of Mary's hands. Now, I'm not a I'm not a mother. I'm not a father, um, but I have held my siblings. I have held my godchildren. And let me tell you, if you came up and tried to take them from me, we would be having a very different conversation than the one that is here in the Gospel of Luke, right? If some stranger Comes up and just takes the child, right? It, it, this is unexpected. It's uh, in, in some ways just inappropriate, right? It catches our attention. But Luke, Luke's done his research. He's got a whole biography to help us feel a little better about this guy. But before we even get to that biography, just think about how crazy this must be. You're in the middle of worshiping the Lord. For the first time since you've been able to get, you know, this is the first time they've been able to go to the temple. Mary was not allowed to be in worship before that point. And some strange man comes and just takes her child from her arms right in the middle of worship. It would be surprising, it would be offensive, it would be any number of things. But I think it's a sign of the grace that was on her. That she's able to start to receive in that moment to start like, this is not normal, but it's okay. And so we're told this man, Simeon, who, who was full of the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit was on him. And he was waiting, waiting for God to redeem his people, waiting for God to fulfill his promises and not in, in the usual way that you and I might wait for those promises to happen. Right? I think many of us at least have some sense of, of promises that God's made to us that we're waiting on. So Simeon can certainly relate to that. But he's waiting for these promises that have been, wa- that have been announced for centuries. That God was going to restore the people. That God was going to reclaim his people. That God was going to make things new. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. The comfort. The restoration. The end of their oppression. He's been waiting. And he had received a promise from God. That he would not see death before the Lord's anointed had come. Before the one that was going to make that consolation happen was seen by his own two eyes. And so the spirit tells him, hey, he's here. He's in the temple and he goes to the temple. He sees him. I imagine he's just so caught up in the excitement of that moment. They just have to to hold that baby for himself. To hold the child Jesus This month old Messiah. And know. And know that God was fulfilling his promises. Can you imagine? Like you're waiting for this massive, massive redemption. This massive fulfillment of God's promises. And the Holy Spirit tells you it's time. And you get all excited and you go and you run to the temple and you're waiting and here's a month old baby. Can you imagine hearing the, whispers, uh, uh, the whisper of the Spirit saying, yeah, that, that's the one. That's who you've been waiting for. I, I would be a little unimpressed, personally. Uh, if I was waiting for this constellation, I'd be waiting for someone, you know, with with some with some with some style with some power with some display of hey you know we I mean we've seen impressive in the history of Israel right we've seen waters part we've seen fire come down from heaven we've seen walls fall down there there's some power when God starts to step up to rescue his people but to be anticipating and waiting for all of that and then come to this moment and all of my hope all of my sense of God's promise is wrapped up in this little baby. Barely six weeks old and everything is here in this child. But Simeon is, uh, thankfully, much more attuned to the spirit than I am. Because he's come in the spirit and he takes Jesus up in his arms and he blesses God. He praises God. Lord, you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you prepared in the presence of all peoples. A light for the revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Lofty, lofty words. Incredible praise and blessing. But Simeon knows, he knows, he's convicted with absolute assurance that God has kept his promise to him. That the consolation of Israel is actually in this tiny. Vulnerable child, that the redemption of the people of God is in a six week old, dependent and vulnerable baby. It's so contrary to to the way our world works, right? It's so contrary to the way we influence change. It's the way we make things happen in the world around us. And two thousand years since this has not changed that. But through through the spirit, Simeon is able to discern God has kept his promise. God has come for us. And so he's now ready. He's ready to go because this child, this baby, Simeon has the privilege of seeing before the rest of the world, this baby, this is going to be the light to all the nations, this child that's going to be the revelation to the Gentiles, this baby Messiah that will be the glory of God's people. He's not done there. He's not done there. You know, Mary and Joseph are like, what is happening? Right? And Luke, Luke our translations dress this up, right? We just say they marveled at what was happening. You know, mar- marvel is such a nice literary word. It, it gives this sense of like, of wonder. And just, oh, wow. Angelic, um, a little bit like our nativity scene up front, right? There's this angelic feeling. Uh, I have to think that these first time parents... We're much more like, what is going on? Why do you have our baby? <laughs> right? there. Uh, what are you saying? Okay, you're, you, we already saw the craziness with the shepherds and the angels and all of this going on. What is happening now? Is this just the way life is now? Right? It's it thoughts running a mile a minute. And so they marvel and Simeon starts talking again. And he says to them, he blesses them. He speaks words of blessing to them. They're freaking out. He's like, "Okay, you need something, <laughs> right?" And he blesses them, and then he says to Mary, because up till now his entire conversation has been with the Lord. But he says to Mary, "This child is appointed." He's chosen. He's special. For the rising and falling of many. In Israel. And he's going to be a sign as opposed. To, uh, you know, it's a sign that's going to be spoken against. So that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And a sword will pierce your own heart too. There's just so much there. And I can you, I don't know, like processing all of that in that moment would not have happened. This was years that Mary had to work through this, listening to this and trying to work it out. What does this look like? What does this mean? And friends, we, we're still, we're still looking at it. We're still marveling. We're still wondering. But Simeon knows That the consolation of Israel, that the fulfillment of God's promises, is not gonna be a walk in the park. It's not gonna be a gorgeous day in the highlands of Israel. But that the coming of God's Messiah is gonna mean that things are gonna be shaken up. The world, the status quo, is gonna be changed. Rising and falling of many. Friends, we've seen that. The world is not the same since Jesus came. And guess what? The status quo is still, still changing. Over and over again. The world changes and the systems of the world break because of the coming of Jesus. Just as an example. Take slavery. Slavery was commonplace the world over. Every culture had some form of slavery. Even Israel has a form of its slavery prescribed and given boundaries in the law. But the coming of Jesus starts to break chains. Slavery is no longer taken for granted. The coming of Jesus means, hold on, God made everyone, God loved everyone, God saved every human being, died for every human being. To ransom us from the devil, why on earth would it be okay? Why on earth would it be desirable or normal that human beings should own other human beings? Right the coming of Jesus upsets that status quo and through history most of the abolition and liberation movements that have occurred have occurred by sitting and hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ That's just one example That's one example but we could we could stick at any number of social issues, of personal life issues, any number of things. And we would see the way that Jesus disrupts the world systems, disrupts what is considered normal. And so Simeon promises that. And he says that he's, Jesus is going to be a sign to be opposed. Not a comforting promise in a lot of ways, right? Um, what you want to hear about your child is much more along the lines of everybody's going to love them. They're never going to be bullied in their entire life. And they're, they're going to just have success every step of the way. That's the kind of promise we want to hear from Simeon, right? But Jesus has a destiny. Jesus is going to be the one that when people see him, when people see Jesus, when people encounter Jesus, nothing is left in the dark. Nothing's left hidden. When people see Jesus, their thoughts are revealed. Are they thoughts of yearning for redemption, yearning for freedom, longing and hungering for grace? Or are they thoughts that are driven by selfishness and greed, that are driven by the power and attachment to the things of the world? These are the things that are revealed when people encounter Jesus. And that is still true. This month-old Messiah reveals the thoughts and intentions, the desires of our hearts, and the redemption that we need. I love uh, your church's name, Epiphany, right, for this reason. Like, it it fits this reading so well, right? Because Epiphany, that that revelation, that revealing— uh, of God's presence, and my my belief, as I've prayed and and wrestled with this reading this week, uh, one of the things that has really stood out to me is, I believe that God wants this to be a place where people encounter Jesus. And when they do, there's going to be a revelation. There's going to be a revealing. Certainly of the thoughts and intentions of their own hearts. But more significantly, the first kind of revealing that Simeon mentioned. That revelation of light to the nations. Of God's truth and life and grace to rescue them. To bring consolation salvation today. And so that's my prayer, that's my hope for you, Epiphany Church. That as you gather, as you worship, as you work, as you witness, that people would encounter Christ in you. And that there would be a revelation of Jesus. Jesus. To bring all of that truth, all that, all that stuff that's in the dark, into the open, where Jesus light and grace can bring life. And we'll see that. We'll see that. And so I invite us this morning. there's more. To this reading. We can spend hours on it. But I invite us. To. With Simeon. Behold Jesus. And. Maybe even dare hold on. To him. To know that God has kept his promises. That God. Has brought salvation. That God has sent his son to rescue, to redeem. To pour out his grace and bring his light to all nations. And that because of that, you and I can depart in peace. We can depart in peace. Peace with God. Peace with one another. A confidence and trust that God is going to have his way in our world. Yes, even in this COVID soaked, politically troubled, divided, and polarized world, God will do it. And we can trust in him to accomplish that. So Lord, help us to, to wait for you as Simeon waited. Help us to receive the prompting and leading of your Holy Spirit as Simeon did. Help us to have the confidence and trust, the faith in this your son Jesus to break all that's wrong with the world and build something that's new and life-giving to break all that's broken and wrong in us and bring new life and grace and to be assured and confident not because of anything that we have done, but because you have kept your promise, because you sent your son. In Christ's name, amen.